Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. Hashtag SLGND. It's episode four from Midtown Manhattan in New York City at National Hockey League headquarters. And it's the perfect opportunity to interview Gary Bettman. We have an extended chat with the NHL commissioner. We ask about the process of getting Major League Hockey to Vegas, the Olympics, and the future of the league. You won't want to miss Gary Lawless's widget analogy. We've also got in-depth discussion of the Vegas Golden Knights' 6 and one homestand and the start of a six-game road trip. How deep is the Golden Knights goaltending? Shea Theodore brought up from the American League. The quiz... Who's the best rookie goalie in NHL history? LeBron James or James Neal is Pennywise for Halloween. Plus, raise or fold and our numbers crunching fact check. It's hashtag SLGND, Sheriff Lawless, and some guy named Dave. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duba, thanks very much. The Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND. Dave Gosher, along with the Sheriff Shane Knighty and Gary Lawless, we took the show on the road, live from New York, in the NHL studios with our podcast. We here. normally do our podcast in our underwear or in our pajamas. That's and, a uh, Here we're in suits. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, I'm cashing out right now. <laughs> that thought, those are Actually, images I do not need Maybe we do running. them in our, in our golf shorts and our shirts. Yeah, no, that's better. Let's All right, yeah, it's flip-flops. But this is, uh, I've even got a tie on today. No, oh, well. Pico, our web producer, is uh, here overlooking things. Yeah, and taking up some space. But <laughs> stick, he's got a tie stick pin. On. He's, he's looking good. Uh, he's done. Sharp as always. Well, well, he's young. He's got to look good. We are broadcasting from the NHL studios right here in Midtown Manhattan. And of course, as always, our podcast brought to you by Foley Family Wine. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of our greatest passions world class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. And they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. Cheers. So we are with you from Midtown Manhattan today on the hashtag SLGND podcast, the Vegas Golden Knights in the midst of their longest road trip of the season, six games over a nine-day period, started it off, of course, a great homestand for the Golden Knights and now hitting the road. But, guys, this, um, this goaltending situation is bananas. So, <laughs> four goalies already this year. Um, we've all been around this game a little while. I don't ever recall, Sheriff, I mean, have you ever, teams you played on, teams you've observed, where you've got into four goaltenders in your first 10 or 11 games? Not in the first 10 or 11. So uh, when I was in Atlanta, we went through a similar situation, and it's not a good situation. It's tough as a player to go through. I believe in Atlanta, uh, I can't, you know, my memory's not great, but we had Kari Lettinen went down. He was the big goaltender. I remember we had Steve Shields come through. I believe we had uh, Mike Dunham come through. We had some big names like Michael Garnett and Adam Burkle. You know, famous goalies, Huge. you know, around the league. Not even household names. Uh, so I think we were around five that year. Uh, wow. And hard to believe, did not make playoffs. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, it. Was a goaltending carousel. Could not stay healthy, and then just finding guys to come around. Adam Burkle went from the East Coast League that year to playing in the NHL, and uh, it, it is a tough situation for players when you have that inconsistency in net, and you have different guys, and you feel for them. You want to play well, but uh, it's hard. Uh, you know, on, on the, I guess it gets mentally fatiguing as a player to see you know a goaltender that's finally coming in you're getting used to that and then he goes down and so this is a situation that uh, hopefully can you can get some health back quickly but the opportunity for some young guys well it's amazing gary is that like he, well, the, just the, the record is still you know they've gone through four goalies and their their record is still pretty well they bank some points considering imagine well, what went through your minds last oh, night like this. we saw the first shot that looked like like Dance kind of got banged up on that one, and then you know very quickly uh, there's a, a goal scored, and he he's backed into the crease, and then he can't get up to kind of defend the shot. I don't think the injury had anything to do with the goal. He, he couldn't see the puck. Couldn't see the puck. So, uh, but I'm like, come on, really? The fourth guy, and uh, and poor Max Legacy. Like this was, uh, uh, you know, a 
you could just the ice had tilted already, and the Islanders were coming. Three and breakaways then, in the third. And then he has to come <laughs> in, and it gets to 3-2 pretty quickly, and then the Knights, the, the Golden Knights, go into chase mode. The, everybody is pinching. Everybody is ch- taking chances. Three breakaways. Oh, and John Tavares flying down on you. Yeah, on a that's what you want. Like, yeah. that, I don't know if he's not the best in the world. That Like, he was fantastic. Right now, he's the best, the hottest player in the league. Yes, exactly. So, I said to Shane halfway through the third period, I said, I don't want to ask you this, but I have to. What happens if? Yeah. What happens if something happens to Lakers? Well, I was just getting to the you know? set at, uh, in Brooklyn after... Your set where I did my did my intermission. Yeah, hit. you're kind of in the way. And where yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it quick. You ever see the look night he gives me oh, when yeah. I arrive on the set? Happy to see it's it. like it's like yeah, he'd like to scrape a me off glare, his shoe. I have to take my oh, headset off. Oh, it's not that bad. I have to move for you. <laughs> oh yeah, make this quick. Uh, but and then the you know like the, you guys are like so who's next? And I you know I texted. Uh, our, our PR department, uh, Eric Tosi and, and Sage Salmons, like who's in Chicago? And you know, really quickly we realized, well, those guys aren't on NHL contracts. The only guy they have on contract is Dylan Ferguson, who's in Kamloops in the Western Hockey League. Yeah. So it, <laughs> what was his route last night night? Well, you're gonna, it's a long way to get from Kamloops, right? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna go Kamloops to Vancouver to New York, and he whatever. flew. I think the 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 route was Vancouver to Toronto, Red Eye, and then to New oh, York. Oh yeah, so yeah. That's nice. So yeah. and now listen, uh, you know, getting him here is obviously, uh, you know, you have to have two goalies. Uh, but you know you have to think that the situation they have to be monitoring it like minute by minute. Where is Flurry? Where Subban is for sure a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. a weeks away. How far away is Dansk? But they say Dansk won't play again on the road trip. So, uh, um, well, both those injuries, like Flurries, you understand there's contact. These last two were there's no contact. The goalies were alone, and you know Subban just going for a save, and then Dansk looks like, and that's a whole other issue. Caught looked like he caught an edge and went down awkward just sliding across the net and then trying to go back so uh, just real unique injuries something you don't see you know it's interesting too guys the you know i think in you, over the years you see you can get by for a short period of time without some key people right yeah but at some point you've got to start to wonder like when does this maybe start to catch up a little bit you know flurry you said uh lawman's on the trip hasn't resumed skating yet i'm not sure when that's going to happen suban another two to three weeks dance the rest of the trip like are they going to be able to, it's never easy to win on the road as it is, but are they going to be able to more than, they've been able to more than get by so far, but is that going to be able to continue? Well, and, you know, they'll have to be, you know, you would assume that they would be very careful with Dylan Ferguson. That, you know, right. you don't want to put that guy into a game <laughs> and have him get just drilled and then send him back to junior the next day and have him, you know, wondering for the next six months, am I good enough? You know, until he gets like it could shatter him for for quite some time. You got to be, you've got to think of the player's development. Speaking of player development, Shea Theodore is uh, caught in a weird uh, roster mix, and after having a pretty strong camp, goes to the American Hockey League and on fire. Uh, probably the best player in the American Hockey League so far this season was uh, seventh in scoring. Uh, amongst all players, all skaters, forwards and defense, and uh, had three game winners, I believe. Like, just was just you know really on fire. Now back to Vegas. You've been in a situation where you've been recalled and brought up. He comes r- r- probably right now at the height of his confidence from what he was done in the American League. Can he transfer that to the NHL? Absolutely, and I think there's no better example than what we saw from Alex Duck. Came up. Fought, went down there, got confidence. It's never, and this is what's hard for me, I guess, as a former player. I never see it as a bad thing to send a guy down, a young player. What's wrong with developing? And yeah, Shea Theodore deserved to make the team right out of camp, without question. But numbers, everything, no problem going down. He handles it the right way. He goes down five goals, 11 points, just outstanding numbers for a young defenseman. He's, as you mentioned, Gary, at the peak of confidence, which is. One, if not the most important thing as a player and a team, if you can gain that confidence individually and team-wise, you're going to be very successful. So he comes up here, he, he's ready to go, he's feeling good about all parts of his game. Um, he's, he's a guy that this should be his last recall, I believe, but he handled it the right way. It's never a bad thing to develop. He's a guy that skates so well, moves the puck, 
I mean, you don't recognize how good he is. And this is an exit league now. And by that, I mean we were hearing it all the time. You have to have defensemen that can exit the zone. You either skate it, you move the puck. So it's a, that ability to go back and go move out. It, it's about having that puck the least amount of time in your own end. And it's not the old school where, hey, I was great at breaking the puck out. I could put it off the glass easy. <laughs> uh, but that was the old school. Now it's, you've got to turn that puck in transition. So you've got to have guys that go back, heads up, make that quick play, and boom. And he's got a real good sense of how to move the puck, how to trap a couple of four checkers. You've got to read the four check and move the puck quickly. I think Alex Petrangelo is one of you know, you go to any top defense, but he's really good at exiting the puck. So uh, it's it's the type of game he's built for. I've been watching this, and I've wanted to watch ask you about this. Recently, the Vegas Golden Knights, you see their defensemen making short plays where the puck will come back into the defensive zone, and the first guy that gets to the puck, he doesn't necessarily look to immediately grab it and lug it out or 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 to make a quick pass up along the boards. He may just take his stick and lay it a little farther into the corner and then kind of hold off the four checker and allow his D partner to grab that puck. Or, and I saw Braden McNabb do this the other night, he made like a three foot pass yep. to a forward. How did, that ability to make that small play, where do you develop that? How hard is it to make those little plays? Because it, it, they don't look easy to me. Well, there's two things. You gotta be able to read the four check and understand where they're coming. So you pre-scout on a team. Every team's gonna go through that. You're gonna watch video. You're gonna have an understanding of how they're gonna come in on a four check. The other is communication. You hear it all the time with your D partner. Your goaltenders are good at it. They can see a lot of the play, the goalies. So you're going back. When you go back for that puck, you have to read the pressure. They're coming you know, right on you, on the wall. Is your partner open? Do you have to take a hit sometimes on a, on a dead puck in the corner that's not moving? Um, it used to be you go back, you just rim the puck around. Well, you don't see that much. You want to make plays. Where's the support of the centerman coming? Um, it, there's a lot of things that go into it, and you know, people just think, oh, the, you know, a lot of times the guy just went back, got rid of the puck. Well, there are people chasing him down are going to hit him, try and level him through the boards, and there's another guy coming here, and it's all happening in seconds. Um, but you develop that. You have to. That's, that's why this league's so difficult to, to make and why now defensemen have to have that ability. And I remember the player talking about McNabb. you get, you got to take a hit in the corner. The willingness to take that, you either have to have a center or a defenseman right there for support for those quick little passes. The homestand was, you know, we, we're sitting here in New York as part of this road trip, but the homestand, we, we've got we to oh. reflect back on that a little bit. I'm six and one. I had fun. Yeah. <laughs> We all had a great time. Um, you know, they, they won games, we talked about it a lot on our broadcast, Shane, you know, a lot of different ways. I mean, they blew out Colorado to end it. Their power play was the difference in a couple of games. They got really good goaltending in some games, too. But um, outside of the Detroit game, where it got away from them in the third period, you would be hard-pressed to script it much better than that went for them in those, that seven-game period. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable, magical, yeah. everything you could have asked for for a start for an expansion team in a home building. Uh, it's, they, they, they competed. So I think fans come, what do you want as a fan? You want your team to, to work. And, and that was very evident in all those games outside me of that one period. But this is a league in which even the best teams have bad periods, bad games, and you, you have that through a span. But for them to play consistent hockey like they did, uh, that you know, combined with the atmosphere that we saw started outside before the game, we got to be yeah. a part of and see. The march, the fan it, march. It's just, it is just a phenomenal venue and, and they're developing it to be, you know, the best spot in the league, honestly. And uh, we've talked about it. you put you put a building on the most entertaining street in the world. Pretty, I got, pretty good marriage. Yeah, I got into a conversation with uh, uh, and assistant general manager with another club last night and uh, was asking me about the atmosphere and uh, um, you know just sort of and it's you start to explain what happens there you know you get there a couple hours before the game and there's you know you could go to go to the park there's all these great places to sit there and you know uh, I, the, having the original six fans or the fans of the other teams there 
you know, it's, a lot of people see that as a detriment. I don't. It's, it's, no, I don't to know. me, it's like soccer in, in 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 Europe, where you know half the stands will be will be from one club, and the other half will be from the other club, and the the atmosphere between those fans before the games has been fantastic. All these people in Golden Knights jerseys, all these people in Chicago Blackhawks jerseys, and they're all hanging out and having a beer together and and talking, and and it's it's really neat. That we're not even in the building yet. Then you go into the building and the entertainment facet of the games have been out of this world and exciting and the team's played well, but then the entertainment that is that is that is married to the game and is, and is just really starting to get on its feet has been brilliant. So then you go and you watch the game and then you walk out and it's 10 o'clock and you're in Las Vegas. Is there anywhere to go? Yeah. <laughs> We, we haven't found anywhere. The same thing as pregame. What's, <laughs> there to do, what's there to do after a game? I'll tell same you what. Same thing as pregame, only we can have a beverage. Yeah, and the, the, yeah. the Kerry Bubolts, president of the Vegas Golden Knights, has said a number of times, come early, stay late. Well, that is, that, that, that is the Vegas Golden Knights game experience in a nutshell. Well, and your point, Lawman, about you know the, the amount of visiting fans, get used to it, right? Vegas was already a destination for people. So now you put an NHL team here. Right? Well, why wouldn't you I, make, I get change, used to Why it, wouldn't uh, you get, make get a long used to weekend it. or a four-day trip and come to Vegas and see your team play the Golden Knights? Get used to it, except for, at some point, people will be like, no, you can't have my tickets. Oh, yeah. No, you, know, that, yeah. you know what I mean? And then it'll be, people from Chicago will be like, hey, we want to go for the long weekend, but the Golden Knights are, are you know, fighting for a playoff spot or whatever, sure. or, and people are like, absolutely not. No, you keep your money. I'm going to the game. I'm putting on my nice jersey and I'm going to the game. You watch it on TV. It's been awesome so far. It's been electric. It's not a bad thing to watch on TV. But yeah, I heard it's pretty good. It's a heck of a broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless self-promotion plug. <laughs> It's a heck of a broadcast if you put it on mute. <laughs> then, you can, well, then you can listen to Dan Duba. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and, you can tune uh, in and what do they call those shades you wear when you're uh, when you're on British Airways and you're flying and you're well, oh, yeah. just the, like the, the blackout. Blackout yeah, shades. There you, go. there you go. Mute and a blackout shade. Hey, so we're sitting. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> we're sitting here on the road. Obviously, um, before we get to segment number two, this road trip, uh, a couple of games in New York, and then Boston, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, Montreal to follow. You know, kind of a, a mixed bag of teams they're playing, right? I mean, the Bruins have been off to a so-so start. Montreal has been not good. Ottawa, last check, had one regulation loss, but... <laughs> Toronto lost in San Jose and already. I know, I've been, yeah, waiting, I've been waiting all over. for this to happen. Mike Babcock <laughs> has been the genius in the oh. NHL since he arrived in Toronto. He had the Jack Adams six games in. Well, he's woke up and all of a sudden he is uh, not so hot. Doesn't, 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 not so hot and smart. three in a row. And, and it's now just, it's a mess. Mike Babcock, the winner of the Stanley Cup, couple yeah. gold medals, doesn't know hockey anymore. Sky is falling. Yeah. But... Different challenge for this team, obviously, Sheriff, right? Well, absolutely. All the great success they've had at home, now it's, you know, see how this Well, it's a test, right? First long road trip. And for these guys, it's, uh, nothing's come easy. I shouldn't say that. But at home, and they got on a roll, they're feeling good about their game. You know, come out, and and it's tough. And you don't start the trip the way you want. And and now it's a matter of turning around. Because that can snowball. Just as it can snowball one way in a good way, it can do the absolute other. And, And being realistic, we knew this team was, you know, Everybody's like, they're good. They're, they're better than people expected. I give them credit for the way they started. Um, but there are going to be those slides in a year. And they had like, a points percentage of almost 900 yeah. uh, coming into the road trip. They were like yeah, it's eight, yeah, it's eight, 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 eight. Best start ever. That's not going to continue. Like that, you know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah. So and, far. And they're going to meet a lot of desperate teams. Sure. You, you mentioned it. Uh, the Canadians, they've turned it around. Ottawa, those had a couple losses. Uh, L.A. Vigneault is a game oh. away from be, a loss away from being fired, apparently. Supposedly. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That'll um, be interesting. We'll get to that one later in the, yeah. in the show. But, yeah, good test for this team coming up uh, this road trip continuing. But we are sitting uh, here in New York today with the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast. Reminder that later on in this podcast, the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, is going to stop by and join us for a little bit. But a reminder also, as well, fans, that Golden Knights fans, don't fight for parking when you go to a Golden Knights game. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app and score your perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Visit www.lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com. We're going to take a little spin here around the NHL. Time for the quiz. 
You guys ready? Your number two pencils? Ready to go? What's the quiz? <laughs> I told you before. Didn't I say that last, last Where's time the quiz master? Where's Duva? Played what? hockey, so I didn't do quizzes. Yeah. Hello, gentlemen. Yes, Dan. What, what's, uh, How's it going? What do you got over there? Well, you know, it's interesting. There has been talk about John Tavares, and we saw that uh, the hat trick in Nashville and a couple of goals against the Golden Knights. And if he were playing in any other city besides Brooklyn, what kind of a star he might be? He's probably undervalued because imagine if you were to plop him in Toronto or Detroit etc so given that he's 27 years old and he's not only scoring quite often but he's the captain of the team here what might be his destination they're talking about a major 12 million dollar type of contract what is his next step could he stay with the Islanders or does he land someplace else his next step is the New York Islanders I can't we talked about it the other night on the air Dan I can't imagine a scenario where, I agree. where they move him. Now, that being said, you talk to some people around that team, a lot of it's gonna be tied to if they get a new building or not. It, it seems like this is not a long-term plan in, in Brooklyn, you know, yeah. and we can get into that maybe a little bit um, later on in terms of, you know, the, the Barclays Center. It's not a hockey building, but I guess there's three different proposals they're looking at in terms of a new building. The one out near the Belmont Park, Belmont Racetrack is, I guess, the most attractive of the three, but um, I just can't imagine they would let a player of his caliber um, walk freely. He's, you know, his deal's up at the end of the year, right? Right. So 2018, he becomes agent. a free agent. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about some other guys who maybe left money on the table. Let's face it, it's a salary cap era, and you might have a star who deserves a certain amount of money. But will that player be willing to take a little bit less, the so-called hometown discount, to allow the management to bring in other pieces so that the team can be successful. Because let's face it, outside of the run that the Islanders had a couple years ago, um, this is a club that won the four Stanley Cups in a row back, uh, you know, late uh, 70s, early 80s. But they have not had the success you'd expect since Al Arbor was the coach over 20 years ago. Yeah. I agree with what Dave said. He, you lose John Tavares, you tell him the New York Islanders, my, my franchise is in serious, serious trouble. Yeah. A lot of that, though, is going to have to do with how they finish this year off. And right now, that line with Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, and Jonathan Tavares is lights out. And, you know, does he, is that something he sees as his team going in the right direction? You know, they've made some moves. Or can they take that next step? That, that plays a part in it. But I think the Islanders just, you cannot afford as a, as a franchise, as an organization, to let this guy go. Keep an eye on the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay. They are a, an aggressive team in in this uh, in this fashion. The late Ed Snyder. This was this would have been a move he would have loved. And uh, you know, Nolan Patrick is uh, a young centerman, and I think uh, they they have they would have the ability to make a few moves. What do Drew? Move him out. I'd to have John Tavares in a heartbeat. And uh, just he represents to me a true franchise centerman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, sure. I don't think the Flyers have that at this point in time. And I, I think that, that this is a move that Ron Hawk Hextall could get his arms around, continue his development program, but make a massive splash. Real quick, Gary. Again, we talk about the contract running out for Tavares at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. What percentage chance is there that the Islanders could potentially move him to try to get something at the deadline? Any chance they try to do that? It will all depend on where they yeah. are in the stands. But if they do that and they're anywhere, if they're anywhere remotely close to being in the hunt, uh, you have to wonder what that does it to the long term. It would be very hard. So much, long -term. So much right. for your new building. Yeah. How, yeah, how, do you, how do you sell <laughs> a fan base, a fan base on a new building? Right, for yeah. sure. So, so, you, you know what's really I'd love to think of the package, though. You're talking Drew, Patrick, what else? That's why I asked. Goss it's yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I, my move for the Flyers is to get him for money only on July oh, 1. Offseason, gotcha. Big money. Let's switch to the other team in New York since we are talking to you from New York, and that's the Rangers off to a start that's surprisingly poor. You talked earlier about what's happening in Toronto. Can a talented head coach forget how to coach? Elaine Vigneault on the hot seat. Is this crazy talk or smart talk? They've had horrendous starts to games. It was a note I was writing down recently about they've they've given up, I think, eight goals in the first five minutes of games. Mm. So I don't know, and Sheriff, I, I was, when I saw this topic, like, how much of that do you put on the coach? Zero. 
to me, it's got to be on the play. Like, if, if you're a player and I you're not do. ready to go, that's on you. You shouldn't need a coach to come in. How, that would get old pretty quick if he had that. Well, we're talking about a seasoned coach here who's yes. had success. So yes. I'm always going to put it on the players. But is this crazy talk? Absolutely not. No, not at all. Because it gets to a point, and right now you're hearing the scary things out of that Rangers room. Where the work ethic, embarrassing, unacceptable. Compete. When you start hearing that, well, what's the next move? And, and that's why coaches get fired. It's... Coaches know how to coach. They do, especially Alan Vigneault. We're talking about a guy that's been around. But at some point, it comes to a, it gets to that situation into that circumstance where the only answer is a reset. And how do you do that? You can't get rid of the old. You yeah. can't get rid of 23 guys. You get rid of one guy, and and that's what happens. The things you're hearing right now. Oh, Elaine Vigneault can't coach young players. He had massive yeah. success in the Quebec Junior Hockey League. He had massive success in the American Hockey League. He has developed young players. He coached that range, that Canucks team all the way to uh, uh, a game within the Stanley Cup. Some guys from Boston somehow stole it. Lost game, so. I don't know how <laughs> that happened. It was a loss. Uh, <laughs> it was a loss. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, and I hear what Shane is saying. I really f have a problem with that that approach. And I'll tell you what, if they fire Elaine Vigneault, there's a whole bunch oh, of coaches. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of coaches in the NHL who should get real nervous. Because if I was running another program and I wasn't sure about my guy, I would hire him. I, I don't agree real with that, but that's what happened. Yeah, I know, I get you. I get you. Because yeah. they've made changes, right? They traded Stepan, they traded yes. Ronto, they bought out Girardi, they brought in Shattenkirk. They've tried to change some of the mix. Yeah. And it's been horrendous. You know, we, we were Changing out. on the fly is so hard to do. We saw Doug Wilson pull off a remodel on the fly in San Jose, which has been really impressive, and kept some of those big pieces. He did change coaches. Uh, yep. But, you know, it's really hard to do, and I'm not sure the Rangers have got the right pieces. And uh, to me, it's the players, not the coach. Look at the coaching staff. <laughs> I know. Lady <laughs> Vigneault, Lindy Ruff, right. and Scott Arneal. All guys that can have their own bench in the NHL. Right. Well, you think about it, you just look, uh, you know, up the road in New York Yankees, Joe Girardi, 10 years, and he's out having brought that Yankees team to a season that no one expected. And you hear talk about whether it's hockey or baseball or another sport. You're not going to, I mentioned Al Arbor before, you know, you're not going to see head coaches for 20 years with one. A, a, a guy coaching a, a, for, ten, for 20 years in another era is like 10 years today. It's who's, just a who's different. leading the Western Conference right now? Yeah, well. There you go. St. Louis. Yep. Ken Hitchcock last year. Well, I called the game against Winnipeg. He got yep. fired the next day. Mike Yo takes over. And you tell me Mike Yo, you know, better coach Ken Hitchcock, but that, they needed they needed well, 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 Dallas for Hitchcock. In LA, there you go. Yeah. John LA, Stevens uh, who replaces Daryl Sutter who hey, he's only got uh, two Stanley Cups on his resume and you know, to me. So it's not about coaching. It's about it gets to a point where you have mix. to reset everything. Right. Yeah, right. And you also wonder, you know, how much closer is Henrik Lundqvist to the end of the line there? And that's where we talk about goals. Exactly. I just I need to remind you some, of something right now because I have been absolutely dominant in the quiz. I don't want you to forget this at the end of the <laughs> what show. Have you been dominant when you're doing your I was uh, trying to, when you're doing I your was notes. Trying to All right. Votes. You have to remember from the great. early stages as well. I'm not saying I could be bought, but I uh, definitely <laughs> am listening. <laughs> I don't, you don't remember what you said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking about Lundqvist, and now we've also been talking about the Golden Knights goaltending situation, and. Given that four goalies are in, Dylan Ferguson is up next. Who is the best rookie goaltender that the NHL has ever seen? You've got some options. There's a lot of options. Um, <laughs> the one that gets under my skin the most is Ken Dryden. Because you would know why, Dan. The Boston Bruins had a wagon in 1970-71. They won it in 70. That's they right. won it in 72. And something went horribly wrong in 71. And it was this kid that came out of Cornell. And then played a handful of games. He played right. in the minor, you know, played in the American Hockey League for Nova Scotia maybe back then. And played a handful of games in the NHL, and the Bruins got beaten seven games by Montreal. So but so he was one of those guys that won the Conn Smythe and then won the Calder the next right. year. Um, That's hard to do. That's yeah, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but I, I would say the one that jumped off the page at me, Ron Hextall, as a rookie. That was the year 86-87. They lost Edmonton in seven games. He's one of the few guys that's ever won the Conn Smythe on a losing team. 
had 104 penalty minutes his right. rookie year. How many, <laughs> how how many he had 104 What's penalty minutes on? in Game Seven of the of the Canadian series when he chased Chelios down That's the right. ice. How many what sticks did he break on the crossbar that year? Did we figure that no, out? I don't know. Tally? I think that was There's only one better, Billy Smith. The next year, who's going with? I go with Dryden just right. because he came out of nowhere. You know, didn't have a full season. Came out of nowhere. And go won. ahead, Bill Dernan. Played every minute of every game in the 43-44 season. His goals against average was 82 points better than second place. 21 more wins than any other goalie. Won the Vesna and won the Stanley Cup. That's great. And you know what? And just taking account on this quiz... I think it would be valuable if we actually watch these players. Dave referenced something. I'm pretty sure Gary wasn't around for Bill Dernan, but uh, <laughs> that's all right. Sure. <laughs> I know Gary's Last the oldest. He's the oldest here, but I'm pretty sure he was around in 43-44. So <laughs> I know he's a writer, and he goes off Last stories. Last week you wanted me to do the homework. This week I did it, and now you're chastising. Well, he is, and I don't like any of this homework. <laughs> I, uh, you can't win. I, no. there, I, to me, I, I look at this, and there's one guy that, if I'm going to have one rookie goaltender, he, where's Martin Broder? Who put this list together? Put this list together. You're talking to the guy who grew up a Devils fan, yeah. so you're so not going to have You know, me. and I'm trying to maybe win it for you, but Broder in the 93-94 <laughs> season and a Hall of Fame, and uh, you know, if I if I got one rook, I just think he was outstanding. Did score on him. He scored on him. Yeah, I scored on him. Tell us about that. It took me three shots to get one goal. I remember I pitched in, I think it was four on four. I don't know why I was on the ice. It must have been a late change. I was in New Jersey, and I think it was the game-winning goal. I scored on him twice. So this, uh, I was with Ottawa. What does it say that you can remember all your goals? So I came down, I remember I shot once. I got the puck, came back to me. I got it again. I think I got it again behind the goal line, and somehow I banked it in off his stick. Then I wow. scored again in him in Atlanta. So, yeah. Marty Broder, the but there's some other big names. Where's Jim Carrey? Wasn't he a great rookie goal? Yes. Jim Carrey. And here's one for Dave Gosher. Yes. What about Andrew Raycroft? Yeah. He was really good that, wow. first, that rookie year. I will so say I things, saw John things, Jr. things fell night. apart in the playoffs bring that a little name bit. Up yeah. bring up the, uh, no, Andrew Raycroft. <laughs> he up, yeah, he had a really Ace Ventura and Andrew Raycroft. And then um, they lost to Montreal in yes. seven that year. Yeah. Kind of Since we talked Devils, we'll, uh, we'll throw in uh, Chico Resch as well. Yeah, yeah Chico. We'll uh, get Chico. to see Chico with the Devils broadcast team, but uh, him with the Islanders 75 76. Uh, and the Calder Trophy there. But lots of good contestants. Who knows if perhaps one of the goalies who've made their NHL debut for the Golden Knights might be in the conversation come the end of this year. Uh, time will tell. Uh, let's uh, pivot to uh, some non-hockey stuff. Uh, Halloween has arrived, and we see some wonderful costumes. I, I have to say that I did like the original It, Stephen King's It, but the Pennywise from James Neal was very impressive. Uh, LeBron had it as well. Guys, who did you like? <laughs> well, James Neal, uh, you know, I just saw the pictures the next day, but I asked them about it. And so the Golden Knights had their party at a facility in Vegas called Top Golf. Mm -hmm. And he went there, he got there quite early. I think his, you know, his his makeup got, got done early in the afternoon. He was in makeup all day, got a little tired of sitting around at home. Went down to Top Golf early before anybody else had ever had arrived. The hosts of the party, you know, no one, none of the other players. And it wasn't on Halloween. It was a week before Halloween. So he walks in 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 his costume, <laughs> and people were freaking what out. Hell's this guy? People doing? were like scared <laughs> of who he was, and you know, a, a couple of people, you know, staff members walked up and were kind of like, uh, you know, Dude, can we help you, sir? And uh, <laughs> touch <laughs> creepy. <laughs> so he said, quote unquote. I creeped a lot of people out. So I'm going with James Neal. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah. That's, that's originality. Oh, no, yeah. It's sure. interesting to see around the league Halloween. And, and I remember going to these parties. We never, no social media back then. But now uh, Thank God. the guys do it. And, and and then you saw what Ryan Reeves did, putting a mask on to scare Phil Kessel. Which I, I saw the video of that. That was great. That was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Good stuff there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's always good. I've been to parties where you don't know who. Some people go that extra distance. I oh, yeah. Patrick Aleem and his wife had like professional makeup people and they dressed up as old people at one of ours in Ottawa. I mean, spent all day, who, who is that? He had no idea and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let on for at least 30 minutes. So good job by James Neal yeah, like there to kind of add a little more to the costume, yeah. some personality. Yeah, it takes some, like that's some work. Like all day in the makeup chair, like it's like nights before a telecast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we both powder up. Oh, I'd lend it to Gary, but I'm afraid that'd be a lot of powder that. gone. Yay! Ooh, look out. Jeez. It was uh, Tim Curry who played it in the original incarnation oh, of the film, right. by the way, who uh, you also might have seen playing uh, 
the butler there in uh, Home Alone shot uh, Home Alone 2 shot right here in New York. But we are going to, to Boston where both you, Shane, and you, Dave, have uh, spent some time in your careers. So when we think about the bigger impact on the Bruins <laughs> legacy, who's had a, a, a bigger part of it, Shane or Dave? Oh, Shane, without question. No, I would say Stanley Cup, for God's sake. I would say Dave had more of an impact for them on the ice. I had more impact off the ice. Well, I would be the deciding factor here. Okay. What do you oh, there you go. Because oh, I go. knew you were this both. This is your gonna, chance to win the quiz. Right I knew here. you were both going to vote for one another. And uh, is there a key you know, to the city ceremony set up? I think Dave Gosh already had my return in in 2011 yeah. as a broadcaster and held held a scrum as a broadcaster in the Boston room. Now I, I could remember. I could shine my shoes and uh, do a write-in vote for our boss Eric Tosi, who also spent uh, yeah you know spent, what there, spent, sorry. spent a decade oh, there. Oh, so there's the quiz winner right there. I think that's the way I'm going to go. With it because the, the reason the biggest impact was Toast was able to lure Gosher away oh, from the Bruins. Oh, wow. And uh, and he had the Bruin connections, et cetera, et cetera. And go and Tosi is responsible for Nighty right, as well. So uh, it's amazing. Uh, I'm going with yeah, yeah. I'm going with Toast. All right. amazing. What a guess you guess the day off Boston. tomorrow. So there you go. Perfect. Day off and bean town. Wow. I guess so Toast gets the vote. Here come this the Golden Knights. Oh, so much for us. I think we're equal. <laughs> yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> Well, there you have it, Dave. Uh, that's the quiz. I'll tally up the votes, and we'll uh, check back with segment four in uh, Razor Four. Yeah, get your uh, get your calculator out. But Lawman's already severely into I don't know. Process. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Durnham, like 1942-43. You're picking a goalie from there, yeah, and I, hey, he probably deserves it. I just never had a chance yeah. to watch him. No, no, oh, no me either. My so. dad told me about him. Oh, there you go. Big Habs fan, my yeah. pop. Okay, perfect. Well, the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast from New York City's hashtag SLGND and NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman is going to join us coming up next. Time now for our guest of the day on hashtag SLGND, and it's brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. And it's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. Here we are in New York City, and look who's joining us. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. I want to go to Whitefish, Montana. That's Me too. The <laughs> awesome. Ask Gary Lawless about his fishing uh, Well, so there. if you went to Rock Creek, what would be? Would you do skeet shooting, golfing, fly fishing, or uh, hang by the pool? What would be your... Uh, all, all of, of it. it. There you go. We do all of it. Well, right? you know, no yeah. time to sleep, that many activities. That sounds awesome. You well, know, you know Bill Foley, so you can probably arrange it. Well, I understand. <laughs> Send him a text. The, the, problem is, yeah. the problem is the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But true. that's okay. It sounds great. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, nice to have you in the Big Apple. Well, thanks for having us. Um, Vegas, obviously, we're here because of the Golden Knights. Really um, shocking. Yeah, we just, you know, we figured we'd tag along. Uh, <laughs> But I'm curious, Gary, to get, um, obviously, you know, Bill Foley and this whole initiative to put a, be the first ever major sports franchise in Vegas. What were your, do you remember your original thoughts when it was presented to you of putting a team in, the, in Vegas for the first time? Well, obviously, it was a process yeah. that le ultimately led to the franchise that's known as the Golden Knights. But over the years, we had had a number of inquiries. Uh, even some forays that were more than inquiries where people were expressing interest in putting a professional sports team in Las Vegas and were focused on a hockey team. But the issue was always an arena. And ultimately, the combination of AEG uh, and MGM came together and actually, despite uh, some speculation and even some spec uh, uh, skepticism, it became a reality. And as it was coming out of the ground, Bill Foley was making it clear to us 
that he was committed to owning a hockey team and that he was passionate about the notion of putting a hockey team in Las Vegas and having the first professional sports team in Las Vegas and he was very excited about the notion of creating a team from scratch, making it a part of the community from day one, having fans relate to the very birth of a franchise, whether or not it was picking out a name, seeing the first uniforms, or going through the first roster creation with an expansion draft. And the more we learned, the more we understood that the arena was going to be a first-class state-of-the-art arena that Bill had not just the smarts and the passion, but also had the wherewithal to own a franchise and be a partner in the NHL. Uh, and then we went about the task of learning more about Las Vegas. And the season ticket drive that Bill Foley conducted was designed to convince us and perhaps him that there was going to be a fan base. Uh, in Las Vegas that this wasn't going to be a franchise that was dependent upon big corporations, most notably the casinos, or tourism. That there were people in Las Vegas who wanted to have a team of their very own. The Golden Knights are 8-2. and two. Are you getting calls from general managers or other owners saying, you made the rules too good? Not made, yet. Not but, yet? But, but if this <laughs> keeps <laughs> up, I'm, I'm expecting something. I'm going to turn we, the we, we, This isn't a surprise to us. Uh, we wanted to bring in an expansion team in better competitive shape than any prior expansion team. So we made the draft rules uh, in a way that would afford the Golden Knights to have that opportunity. Uh, do I think that they're, they're going to finish the season at the current pace? While I don't prognosticate the results of games or who's going to make the playoffs, we believe that it would be good if this was a team that could be competitive throughout most of the regular season. And based on the start, I think it looks like that's going to be the case. And for that start, you've seen a lot of new teams come in in your time. Could you script it anything better than winning six or seven of a homestand for a new expansion team in their very first year? Well, two, two things. One, the, the schedule was designed to get the players comfortable at home, uh, which was good with the extended homestand, but also and we haven't discussed it, I, I don't even know how you, quantify isn't the right word, how you deal with the connection that the team has developed with the community in light of the horrible yeah. tragedy that happened just before the first home game. Uh, having been at the first home game, having been in, in Las Vegas, and, and feeling the emotion that was going on that week in the city and understanding that the players were in the community and this was a new home for all of them, that they were in the community with first responders, going to hospitals, uh, the bonding and the emotion that has taken place between this team and the community is probably unprecedented because it has been absolutely tragic circumstances, but this shows exactly what a team can do for a community in terms of unity, bringing people together, and healing. Expansion draft rules have all, always been almost punitive. Hey, you're new to the club, you gotta pay your dues. When did the light go on for you and, and, and the governors that, well, it might be a good idea to actually make them allow them to win some games so they could be a strong franchise right from the beginning. When, when did you come to that realization or did you have to bring some horses to the water and get them to drink? I think we've always had that realization. It's not that a light went on. Uh, when you have uh, prior expansion experiences, you see what the results are based on the rules. And as we calibrated the formation of this team, uh, we understood what it would take for the team to be competitive. And we made clear, as a, as a league, the owners made clear that they wanted to bring in a team that could be competitive because if nothing else, this team goes into everybody's building. And we, we pride ourselves 
in having the most extraordinary competitive balance, not just in our history, but we think in all the professional sports. You don't know what's going to happen night in and night out. You don't know at the beginning of the season who's going to make the playoffs. And there are a lot of great stories this season about teams performing better than anybody would have anticipated, uh, and that's great for fans. And so it wasn't a question of a light going on. It was a question of the board focusing on what would be good for the league in terms of how the Vegas Golden Knights would join. But that's not easy, always easy to do. These guys are, are, are uber competitive. They've drafted players. They, they feel that, you know, they, that they're, they're giving something up that takes away from their own team. How long have you been covering our league? A little while. How long? <laughs> Ten years. Okay. In that time, I think this league has demonstrated itself as the league, particularly the owners of the franchises, to step up and do the right things for in terms of what's good for the league, not just what's good for an individual franchise, their own franchise. And the notion of this expansion is the league, our league has never been healthier, our franchise has never been stronger, our competitive balance has never been better. And in that environment, you bring in an expansion team in a place that you think will make the league stronger and help grow the game and help make hockey more popular. And that's part of the beauty of what Las Vegas represents to the NHL. So why not give them a team that can be competitive? And that was the belief of the owners as a whole. You mentioned, Gary, the you know, you, Vegas comes in. and I wanted to ask kind of a bigger picture question. Internationally, uh, you were in China recently. You're going to Sweden soon for a couple of games in Stockholm. Um, do you foresee a time, you know, the NFL plays some games in, in London every year, they play games in Mexico City, that Europe is, I don't know if you have a European division, if that's the way to put it, but where do you see this going from a global standpoint down the road? Well, a couple of things. One, we're a little bit different than the NFL because sure. they play once a week. Yeah. So the travel issues are a whole lot different than our travel issues are. Uh, secondly, oh, we, we believe that of all the North American sports, uh, hockey's probably the most international in terms of the number of places it's played at an elite level. And what's great is the number of countries that have players in our league is, is higher than any other of the professional sports leagues in North America. And we want to have a presence in those countries among other things, there's fan interest wanting to see how the players from those countries play in the world's best hockey league. And secondly, we want to continue to encourage the development of world-class hockey players because, again, the best hockey players in the world play in the NHL. So we want to have a regular presence. We're on TV in over 140 countries. We have worldwide sponsorship and advertising and licensing arrangements. Uh, and in order to have a, a strategy that continues to grow the game, you need events. You need exhibition games against local teams, you need preseason games, and you need regular season games and other events such as a World Cup or what we've called our Ryder Cup is yet to be defined. So these are all things that are important to continue to grow the game worldwide, but we never lose sight of the fact that our strength must be maintained in our most vital place, North America. It's a really interesting business equation because, you know, if you make a widget and you and you make it in Gary, Indiana, and they need that widget in Asia, you can export it and you can sell it there. It's a different thing when you want to, if you want people in Asia to watch your games, buy your jerseys, and 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 really get involved with your sport. How do you do that? How do you, how do you bridge that gap? Well, not, not to uh, quibble with your widget analogy. <laughs> if you're exporting widgets to China, but nobody's ever seen a widget before, you've got to introduce widgets to the marketplace. You've got to educate people as to what a widget is, why a widget's important, and why you make the best widgets. Well, we're doing the same thing. Well, and, by not, bringing, not, and by bringing games, as we just did to Shanghai and Beijing, 
people had a taste of hockey and the reception was terrific. You're not quibbling with me. That's what I wanted to get. That's why I'm, I'm interested in what is the strategy? How do you, how you, need, do you achieve you need, that? You need to have a regular presence okay. where, where people can count on seeing more and more and more of what you are. You need to have a regular presence so that advertisers and sponsors and people who want to promote your game can work with you. Uh, we're working with the school system in Beijing, for example. We're working with the sports ministry of China, all in an effort to build a presence for our game and to introduce more and more people to it. The, the minister of sport for China told me that especially with the 2022 Winter Olympic Games coming to Beijing, there's a priority to get more and more people involved in winter sports. I think the number they threw around was 300 million people, principally involved in hockey. So you brought it up. Does yeah. it not make sense that you play in those Olympic Games? Not necessarily. I mean, the, all the discussions that we had, particularly discussions I had when I was in China, people are interested in growing the game. This isn't about two weeks, four or five years from now. This is about a long-term presence. Um, the Olympics present very difficult challenges for the NHL in terms of how disruptive it is for the season. Uh, we would run out of time if you make me go through the litany of no. reasons that it's an issue or a problem. But at the end of the day, it's having a regular presence. The Olympics, where frankly the NHL is invisible, uh, is not the priority. Whether or not it makes sense to go to Beijing is something we don't have to focus on for a while. You Beijing know, for the Olympics. For sure. You know, and it, it's uh, actually, uh, you know, and you know this, I've written about this a number of times. I understand all the business reasons for not going. It's not and, just business reasons. It's, it's competitive reasons. Yep. It's what it does to our competition, to our season. Again, I understand. I understand all of that. But I got to make sure our listeners understand <laughs> sure. it. That's Great. Nice. Perfect. Excellent. That's why you're here. You have had a great association with the Olympics, and you've watched some some great hockey. And people forget that you championed this. Yeah. You, you you know you bringing the NHL players to the Olympics was your idea. Thank you. It, it, it's fallen off the tracks, you know, for a combination of reasons, which the Players Association and the NHL a lot of, and a lot of people are involved in that decision. The, All that the International said. Olympic Committee, yeah, the sure. International Ice Hockey Federation, the various national federations, it's a very complicated issue, but in the final analysis uh, it was clear that, that our presence was not valued in any meaningful way, and so it made no sense to continue disrupting our season. Is it going to be strange for you as a hockey fan to not have your players there? I remember what the Olympics were like before NHL players were there. There will be a terrific hockey tournament, okay? It won't be the NHL players, but then again, other than the skill level, people didn't know it was NHL players for the most part anyway. Unless you were a hardcore NHL fan, you didn't know that those were NHL players because basically nobody told you and we weren't allowed to promote the fact that our players were there. So all it resulted in, and this is one of the many reasons, was we disappeared for three weeks at the most important time, other than the playoffs, of our season, the beginning of the stretch run. Hey, last one for you guys, you look forward. What are the biggest challenges, do you think, as you look ahead, if you had a crystal ball for the league, as you continue to try to grow, and you're at 31 teams now, the international picture, what do you think about the most as challenges as you move forward? Well, the, the, there's, there are two tracks that we focus on on a macro basis every day. Uh, the first is we're monitoring and watching every game every night. We're looking for trends. We're looking at player safety issues. We want to make sure that the game, what gets played on the ice every night, is exciting, compelling, entertaining, competitive. Uh, and as safe as possible for a physical game. And that's something that requires our attention, our focus every day. It's something we discuss regularly with the managers, with the governors, and again, we have hockey operations watching, screening every game, Department of Player Safety doing the same. And so what, what our game is defines everything else that we do. 
Secondly, we think this game can continue to grow using digital platforms, using an international presence, uh, making sure we have grassroots programs, particularly in North America for young people, focusing on the fact that perhaps millennials and Gen Zs consume sports a little bit differently, although we think because we have probably the best pace of play of the major sports, we're in a very good place to do it, but we need to be focused on what the future holds in terms of connecting with our fans in the ways that will give them the best possible sports and entertainment experience. Well, we appreciate you letting us in your offices here, Gary, the NHL offices. <laughs> Thanks for letting us visit with you for a little bit. We're thrilled to have you and the Las Vegas community as part of our league. Again, uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman from the NHL joining us on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Grabbed by Cody Eakin who skates up the far side of center. The lefty enters the zone with Perron down the wall feeds. Eakin, he shoots wide, rebound, score! Cody Eakin makes it three to nothing Golden Knights with 4.27 to go in the second period. Perron, Eakin, and Neal. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast continuing from New York City this week. Hashtag SLGND. And a reminder that if you're looking to add to your Vegas Golden Knights wardrobe, stop by the Armory, the official team store of the Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena today and get the latest gear, all the best gear, and the hottest jersey in sports. The Armory entrance is accessed right through Toshiba Plaza in front of T-Mobile Arena. Coming to you from the NHL headquarters in Midtown Manhattan this week. All right, time now for raise or fold. We got four quick topics here, fellas. Ready to go. We're on the East Coast. East Coast road trip for the most part here. Raise or fold, Sheriff, on the East Coast weather. You've lived in a lot of different places over your lengthy career. Raise or fold, East Coast weather. Fold. It's <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> pouring rain. I, uh, it's I'm, I'm out in the desert now, waking up to <laughs> the sun every day. So yeah, I'm gonna fold on that. I'm. I'll look forward to getting back to to the Vegas sunshine. Yep. Law man. Uh, uh, fold absolutely. And, oh, forget uh, it. Uh, I have to say, you know, I grew up in uh, southern Ontario, like close to Toronto, and uh, you know, enjoyed the four seasons, et cetera, et cetera. But. Uh, uh, I've been freezing since we got here. It's cold. I, 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 we've Put got, on a jacket. I've gotten soft. There we go. Dan. It's gonna, we're going to have a raise. Raising on oh, you've got the swamps in Jersey. Here he comes. Dula would you're raise on about, New York traffic. You're, yeah. you're, you're talking about somebody a, who's been in Syracuse the last five years and spent Where's years in that? college there, nice too. Spot. So Syracuse, but if we're just talking especially the New York metro area, you know, the seasons. It, it does feel like Halloween a little bit here. Now, you check back with me on January 15th, uh, and there's a blizzard. You know, I might have another thought about it, but I do enjoy the seasons. So I, uh, I think that there is something special about this, uh, this climate. And so let's, uh, let's go with Rays. I fold on it for the exception of the summertime. The rest of it, you can have it. I've, I'll tell you what, I folded on it when two and a half years ago, there was nine feet of snow in Boston in three weeks. So that's when I officially decided the floor. We're going to be in Winnipeg in a couple of weeks, and uh, he's complaining about Syracuse. Oh, well, forget it. Shane and I have spent some time in... Uh, I'll take Winnipeg in, over Syracuse. ...in the Thank middle you. of the prairie, so... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sticking with my fold. Absolutely. So we're going to... Uh, so I folded it with the exception of summer. You're raising... Duva, which is mind-boggling. <laughs> Somebody's the sheriff and the lawman are folding. Adapt, adapt. Appropriately it's, so, they're yeah, folding. Yeah, come on. Um, we were recently at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Razor fold on the Barclays Center. Lawman, let's go to you. Fold. Uh, great neighborhood. I loved Brooklyn. It was uh, really cool to go to go and experience it. But the barn is—it's uh, not—it's not a National Hockey League rink. I have fold. Yeah, nuts. Yeah, fold. Yeah. It's not even yeah. close to set up for a hockey game. No, I, I'll have to fold as well. Um, you know, it's fun to talk to some of the Islanders fans, um, but we know that the Islanders fans are on the island. So not only the building itself, <laughs> I think that um, if you have that strong fan base in one place and the arena in the other, that, that just is a detractor as well. They don't do morning skates over there because most of the players live over there. You need a helicopter to get over there in the morning morning drive traffic. So yeah, yeah it's a fourfolds. The scoreboard off center ice, obstructed view <laughs> seats just, at the end yeah. of the rink. Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Fourfolds. Tyler Pico, is that a fold or is that a tell me I'm number one? What do you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The Devils, speaking of the tri-state area, Dave, we got to start with you here, Dupes, because you're 
mm -hmm. Jersey roots. A disclaimer in there? Yeah, well, just off to a, a terrific start. Yeah. Did uh, you raising or folding on the uh, on the Devils? You know, I, I, given the other difficulties in, in the division, I'm going to raise on the Devils. And I'm surprised that I'll say that because of this Devils team, not only the jersey, but everything is different. This is not Lou Lamarillo's Devils any longer. Uh, there are so few pieces, not only from players, but uh, staff and so forth, scouts, uh, just uh, Vince Williams who, and David Conti, scouts who are now with the, the Golden Knights organization who had been there with the Devils. So it's, it's different, but that doesn't mean it can't succeed. Um, and, and I think that, uh, when, again, when you look at some of the way things are going there, you've got a pedigree with the management and the coaches who have had success and maybe it's taken a couple of years to pivot from the Lamborello regime to the, the new group, but we know that you know that group basically produced Pittsburgh championships. Anyhow, I, I'm going to raise on this group of devils. I'm raising. Ray Shiro's done a fantastic job, not only building it for now, but for the future. You look at they got Will Butcher, who's off to a great start. You got Taylor Hall, who's still going to hit his prime. You got. Uh, they got the first overall pick from last year. He sure. He sure. Uh, they got that kid from Jesper Brat. Uh, mm -hmm. They've got uh, Brian Gibbons off to a good. They've just got all these pieces, these young players. They got all Boston College guys there, Dave. I'm not sure how you feel about so that. Stunned they're having any success. I know. Uh, I think, you know, I think Andy Green's a great veteran there guy yep. to, to lead the way for them. I, I really like what they, how they've mm -hmm. constructed this team. And they play, uh, they're not playing the old school, put you to sleep, devil's hockey. The this neutral is, zone trap is, is no new, longer involved. Uh, this huh? is new speed, play with pace. Yeah. And uh, I think this is, they're, they're certainly heading in the right direction. And they're maybe there a little earlier than they thought, but that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm going to raise as well. I'll be honest with you, when the Penguins fired Ray Shiro, I yeah. thought it was asinine. Now give Jim Rutherford credit. He's gone and won two <laughs> Stanley Cups, mostly with players assembled by Ray Shiro, but he had to tweak that roster a little bit. And, uh, you know, it turned out that, you know, Shiro had made the, the base of the soup. It needed to be seasoned, seasoned, and Rutherford was able to do that. But in terms of building the base, I think Shiro is among the very best. And uh, yeah, Corey Schneider, don't, don't take him out of this equation. This yeah. is, for my money, a top 10 goalie in the National Hockey yes. League. I was going to say that, Gary. You're right. And he's got the ankle injury going on right yeah. now. But, you know, he's another Getting Boston College guy. But you look at how the Devils had built their success. It was with Marty Brodeur, who we talked about with the call back in 94 that means that if they have that strong goaltender you know it's 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 the way that you can be successful for a long time and Corey can can do that as long as he gets healthy and gets back I'll raise on him too just because uh, you know we had George McPhee talking about um, uh, a little while ago the only way to do it now is to draft and you have to draft your way there by and large I mean you can go out and make a big splash in free agency but you look at those players you talked about sheriff with butcher broad he sure Miles Woods off to a decent Miles start Woods, for them, Steed, yeah. right? Gibbons, um, and then you know if you look at Schneider's numbers, I know he's you know he's, he's been off numbers-wise. Wins and losses pretty good. His goals against is three three and a quarter, but I know he's battling an ankle injury. But when he's healthy. And I, I think one of the things he suffered from in the last few years was lack of run support, for lack of oh, a better oh, They sure. couldn't score for him. Oh, my gosh. So the fact they've been able to, uh, you know, I know Butcher wasn't their draft pick, but, you know, he, they signed him as a free agent. But uh, their ability to get some good young players in there has been pretty impressive. Um, last one, Dallas Stars. I didn't, I didn't realize this. 32% of the power play? Yeah, it's, they must well, have they done something the since Golden Knights uh, they the saw time. the Golden Knights the first game of the say, season. Yeah. Um, raise your fold on that. Uh, oh, I'm in, in between. You get folks. I don't think you're going to end up that high, but I, at the same time, get raised because we're talking about you got Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, Jason Spezza, uh, Radulov, and probably Klingberg. Yeah. I, I don't know where you find a better five. And, you know, even if you go to Pittsburgh, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Kessel. Uh, you think of you know Latang. The, the, the stars are going to have a good power play. Don't take penalties against that team because those guys really thrive. You see a lot of those skilled guys. I think the advantage they have is they have one of the top skilled guys in Jamie Benn that also can play that power position in front of the net. Really good at sniffing out pucks. So. And I'll add to that, just remember that it's still just a 10-12 game oh, season. Oh, absolutely. And so while I'm with you on all those points, Shane. 
the percentage itself, it's kind of like an early season batting average where yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to really there. judge. The, the numbers jump from the single digits to the 30s and down. You know, check back in a few weeks when they've got uh, a little bit more of a, of a sample size. Hey, I'm going to raise on it, Gary, just real quick, because when we were in Dallas, Ken Hitchcock told us basically they were working on a secret power play. <laughs> That's right. And this is obviously right. it. It was stealth. It was, Nobody it had was seen it. Under cover of Nobody darkness. Nobody had seen it. And the reporters sure were watching, but didn't see it. talking about because mm-hmm. it's been lights out. I hear, Gary, go. Well, I'm going to raise on them, not just for the power play, but uh, uh, for what they've been doing with the rest of their game. They're now 7-5. and five. You know, climbing up in the in the Central Division, making some really good things happen uh, as a team. But Shane is uh, has already spoken about the personnel. They they probably have the best power play personnel in the league. Will they clip along at 32 percent all year long? I doubt it, but it wouldn't shock me if they were a 25 percent team when it was all said and done. Well, that's razor fold for this week on the hashtag SLGND podcast. 15 seconds to go. Dansk standing. 200 feet away from the action, but everybody thinking about that goaltender, number 35, the Swede. Here's the final three seconds, and here's the horn. It's a 7-0 win for the Golden Knights. The first shutout in franchise history is the first shutout in the North American pro career of Oscar Dansk. So our final segment of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND, and it's brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. They look forward to hosting you during your next visit. Cheers. All right. Fact check time, Dan Duva. Um, I guess, you know, giving, handing out awards. What do we screw up? What do you got? Uh, first of all, once again, solid show. And uh, Gary Lawless, uh, by the way, very close on that points percentage, 875, uh, but very good. Shane, this is the fun one from that, uh, that Atlanta Thrashers team, 2005-2006. The goaltenders, you, you had them, uh, Mike Dunham, Kerry Lettinen, Michael Garnett, Adam Burkle, Steve Shields. Do you know who won the most uh, games after Lettinen? Garnett. Garnett won 10. Oh, that should give me a quiz right there. <laughs> Burkle won two, Shields had one, and Dunham had eight. Uh, that was the 2005-2006 Atlanta Thrashers, led offensively by Ilya Kovalchuk. There you go. Ooh. So, uh, but nicely done, guys. That uh, that was about it. Uh, I thought you covered everything quite well today. Well, are we supposed to have a first star or anything in this? The uh, or, uh, the the, the now, well, we can pivot to that. If I you vote want. Eric Tosi. <laughs> I'm just following Gary's lines. Well, I, uh, I I'm not sure that he's on my list. You know, oh, without well, a Gary way to contribute directly, uh, you know, I'm not sure. But uh, I think that because Gary made that suggestion, and here's why Gary's going to oh, win so you're today. You're jumping on board. Ready? Influence. This is why Gary's going to win, and it's not because of a particular argument or a particular memory. Because you all had some great recall and some suggestions. The suggestions is what wins it for Gary. We talked about Tavares, and we talked about how we would think Islanders. Not only did Gary suggest the possibility of someplace else for Tavares, he had a very specific prognostication and destination for Tavares. And that sort of creativity and vision, that is what wins it today for Gary Lawless. Oh, oh my. this is incredible. Beautiful. I, I can't wait till next year when he's back with the Islanders. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say Gary was going to be right. He knows what I he's just, talking about. I, just I could have threw a team the out idea. there. Oh, but you didn't. But he sold me on it. No, he sold you on it. He tried. Dan, you don't have to explain. You're, uh, you're the teacher. Mark the, <clears throat> mark the test. All right. So then got Dan. Hand him out to that's the students. That's, that's what I've got. Ghosh is 04. No, I think we're good. It was completely. Compelling. That's what it was. That's yeah. that. That was. We should have like it should be like the two the star of the game. Like, but it's gotta be gotta get us. You know. No, it's supposed to be the first. The premier at Guinness star of the game. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just rank you guys. Most of all, a lot of times first star. Gary was the first star today. Yeah. I uh, I'd have to think more about who was number two. Well, let's just go with one. We don't have enough time right. yeah. for that. All so, right, good uh, stuff, boys. All right, Dan. Thanks very much, and uh, thanks for everyone uh, for tuning in. The Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast hashtag SLGND coming to you from New York City today. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.